Okay, so I'm I'm Nate Marley. Um, I'm on staff here at Chi Alpha Central, um, and I'm stoked to be up here tonight. I get to speak to you and, and share a message, um, and I'm excited to start the this series that we're doing this this quarter. Um, it's called Love Is, um, and what we're going to be talking about is relationships and and how. Um, yeah, relationships, all kinds of different relationships, um, and and how love is, um, how love speaks into those relationships. Um, so I get to start that off tonight, um, but I'm gonna pray first. Lord, um, thank you for for bringing us here safely um, over the, after the break. Um, I pray that people had restful and and life giving breaks. Um, and Lord, I just pray that you would be here with us tonight. Would your spirit be here with us? Would you be speaking through me? Lord, would your truth be made known? Um, and would you, um, would you be opening people's hearts to hear what you have for them um, and how much you love them? Thank you, Lord. Amen. Cool. So um, I'm going to be talking tonight about kind of two themes um, and one is that love is relational and that love is unconditional. Um, and I'm not really going to say them right out. So just be aware that those are a couple of themes that I'll be talking about through the message. Look for them. Um, and so we're going to start in Genesis chapter 1. So if, uh, can I get a Bible passer? Thank you. So if you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand um, and we can bring one around to you. If you don't have a Bible at all, um, go ahead and take it home and consider it a present from us to you. Um, we want you to be able to use that. Um, and so as that's getting passed out, um, so we're in Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, which is um, the creation story of the world, right? Um, and it's a beautiful, poetic chapter in Scripture, and it's rich with symbolism and meaning. Some people interpret this passage to be a literal historical account of the creation story, and, and others take it to be more of a symbolic, poetic account. Um, and we aren't really going to go into that today, um, because either way, this passage was written with intention and meaning. And it reveals so much to us about the nature of God and our nature in relationship to Him. And that is what we want to look at tonight. So um, I'm going to read some snippets, um, and we're going to follow through the progression of God's creation of the world as presented here in Genesis. Um, And the structure is going to be that each day God speaks and creates um, with new additions and distinctions each day. So each each new day is is a new creation. Um, And so I'm going to read little snippets of each, and I I want you to pay attention to the language that's used um, in, in the passage. So we'll start in... Genesis chapter 1, verse verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then we'll skip to 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Moving on to to verse 6. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. And he created the sky. Um, Verse 9. God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear and created land. Verse 11, then God said, let the land produce vegetation. Verse 24, and God said, let the land produce living creatures. And so this, this is the, the creation from each day, creating something new. Um, 
And, and notice how in verse, we're going to skip to verse 26. Notice how, how the language changes. Verse 26, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fishes in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Did you notice the change in personal pronouns there? So in all the previous and all the following creation statements, God says, let this happen. And it happens that way. But here, all of a sudden, he says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And it kind of almost sounds like Gollum language right here, or from Lord of the Rings, right? Our precious, it's ours, right? But, but I assure you, God's not crazy, and he's not at odds with an inner evil demon trying to draw him to the will of the one ring. So, don't worry about it. Um, but this, <laughs> this intentional change in personal pronouns gives us a profound insight into the nature of God as being relational. A couple other references of God using this us language, us and our language in referring to himself. Um, Just a couple are in Genesis 3.22 and Genesis 11. And when God refers to himself as us in this scripture, he is referring to what Jesus followers call the Trinity of God. Our understanding that there is one God who eternally exists in three persons. The Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. These are three distinct persons who share one divine nature. And it's kind of a difficult concept to grasp um, because here's three persons but one God, each fully distinct but fully the same. Um, it's hard for, our, for us to wrap our minds around, right? Um, which, which makes sense though, right? Um, that we wouldn't be able to fully comprehend the creator God of the universe, It attests to the mystery and wonder of God that he is far beyond us and our understanding. But as I said earlier, the Trinity is also central to our understanding of who God is and how we can relate relate to him. Um, And and I urge you, if you want to ask further questions about the Trinity, please talk to me or one of the staff sometime. We'd love to to talk through that with you. But we see here that the Trinity shows us that God is in himself relational. And in in Genesis 1.26, God says, Let's make man in our image to be like us. Humanity is distinct from the rest of creation because we are made in God's image. Relational. Let's look at that more. What are some of the things that that sets us apart from the rest of creation? We have self-awareness consciousness, freedom of will and identity, and we have relational capacity. That is, we have the ability to know and love and to be known and be loved. But we don't just have that capacity to relate. It's an innate, innate need and longing, isn't it? According to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, only behind physical needs and safety Relational love and belonging is essential to our wellness as a human. As a human. So it's, it's essential to, to being well and healthy, this, this sense of belonging and love and affection. 
And, and we feel that too, don't we? We've all felt this, this longing to be known, to be accepted and loved by another person, and to know and love them back. And we see how it affects almost every aspect of our lives. I think that if we really look back on our decisions and actions, we would find that one of the most primary motivations behind what we do and say is to fulfill this longing for relational love. This need to feel known and loved by another drives our lives. I think um, I've realized in my own life that this desire for, for relationship and acceptance from other people has had a huge influence on my identity and purpose and even my sense of value and self, self-worth. I've come to put so much value into what people think of me and how much I am liked by others. And it's also led me to struggle with insecurities and self-worth issues. Um, and, and I want to encourage you to reflect on that in your own life, too. How, how has a desire for love and acceptance and relationship motivated your actions and decisions? Think about that in, in your own life. And now, if, if loving relationship is such an important need in our lives, why are so, so many of us struggling to find it? Why do so many of us still feel so lonely or unfulfilled in the relationships we have? Our culture tells us that the ultimate answer to this longing and desire is romantic love, right? We see it in all the Disney movies, all the, all the movies on TV. If you find your one true love, your, your soulmate, you'll be fulfilled and you'll be complete, right? So then, why, why do so many marriages end in divorce? Because spouses don't feel complete or fulfilled in their partners. I think it's because though we are made in God's image to be relational and need relationship, we are dis- disconnected from the true source of relational love. The only true loving and fulfilling relationship that gives eternal, in, eternal acceptance, belonging, and identity is a relationship with the creator God of the universe. A relationship with the triune relational God that said, let's make man to be relational like us in our image with the ability to love and be loved. Only in God is true love found. One of my favorite Christian theologians is named St. Augustine of Hippo. Um, And I I especially like his writings on the nature of God, the Trinity, and and on love. Augustine explains that God is not just loving, but that he himself is love. For love to exist, there must be a lover, a loved, and the action of love. He describes the Holy Spirit as being the love that unites the Father and the Son. And in the Trinity is found the lover, the loved, and the action of love that unites them. So in other words, true love has its origin and essence in the presence of God himself. 1 John 4, verse 7 through 8 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. 
And later on in that chapter, it says, we love because God first loved us. This innate longing for love that we have will only ever be fully realized in a relationship with God. We are meant to be in relationship with him. And from the security of that relationship, we're able to love others well. If that's, if that's where the source of love is, um, we need to be connected to that. We need to be connected in relational love to that. Um, and so our relationship with God is foundational and allows us to relate to others well. As Augustine said in his work, The Confessions, he says, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Now, I mentioned that most of my life I've struggled with caring a lot about what other people think. With, with trying to find my sense of identity, value, and self-worth in how much other people like me or accept me. And as a result, I didn't really know who I was. Um, I was tormented by hidden insecurities and trapped by the ways I thought others expected me to be. It wasn't until I started relating to God as the source of my love and fulfillment that I found freedom in those things. And more specifically, when I started to relate to God as my father. Um, A few years ago, I started to read and reflect on the relationship between Jesus and God the Father. Jesus lived his life with such confidence and intention. He always seemed so sure of who he was, his purpose, his value, and his authority. And I thought, of course, he's so confident and sure of these things um, because he's the son of God. He healed thousands of people, raised someone from the dead, taught the apostles, changed the world with the truth that he spoke, and died and rose again to reconcile all of humanity. Of course he'd feel confident and able to do these things, right? And it was a little encouraging to know that that he did that for me, um, that he could change me a little bit too. But I could never really be like Jesus, right? I have all these things that that are wrong with me and um, all these insecurities. How, How could I really be like that? Um, but I want you to show. Well, I want to show you a passage that changed my understanding of that relationship, and opened my eyes to see how God the Father sees me and loves me. And I hope you'll see it that way too. So let's turn to Matthew chapter three, verses sixteen and seventeen. Okay, starting in verse 16, Matthew three sixteen. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up to the water. He, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Dang, I'm already choked up. <laughs> I might cry. Um... And of course I thought, Jesus is the Son of God. Of course his dad would say those things. And I listed off all those things that I'd said before that Jesus did during his three years of ministry on earth. Miracles, healings, changing the world. Um, But then someone pointed out to me that at the point God speaks these things over Jesus, Jesus had not done anything in his ministry yet. He hasn't done any miracles. He hasn't taught any crowds or apostles. He hasn't risen anyone from the dead. He's just living out his life. 
and in this moment proclaims his faith in God by getting baptized. God opens the skies, sends down his spirit, and speaks out these words. Not because Jesus... Not, not because Jesus had performed miracles or raised people from the dead. Not because he changed the world with the words of his truth. Not even because he died and rose again to reconcile humanity. He hadn't done any of that yet. God opens the skies and speaks these words out to Jesus. (laughs) Because he's his little boy who he loves so much. He speaks, that's my boy. I love you. You bring me so much joy. God isn't saying this because Jesus did anything. He's saying this because he truly loves him. God's love, God's love for Jesus is unconditional. He hasn't put any conditions on that. He hasn't said, son, I'm going to love you if you save the world. Sorry, I guess. Um, he, he doesn't say that because you save the world, because you do these things, I'm going to love you. He says, I love you. I think it's significant that Jesus' ministry started after this event. It was after this happened that Jesus, confident in who he was, in his purpose, in his value, started preaching and teaching, and healing and performing miracles and changing the world with his love. His confidence came from his awareness of his Abba, Abba Father's love for him. Not because of his success or anything he did, but because he was God's son. He was God's little child. He found security, confidence, and purpose in that loving relationship with God. And he could love because the Father first loved him. Remember we read in 1 John, we love because he first loved us. Galatians 4 Verses 4 through 7 says, But when this set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. God sent his, sir, his son to earth to make a way for humanity to be in right relationship with him. He did that for us. Us who seek fulfillment and love and rela- in relationships with girlfriends and wives and family and friends who really can't bring us that ultimate fulfillment and love. He did that so that we could be in relationship with the God who is love. He did that so we could be called children of God. Now this is where 
my understanding of God as my father changed my life. Because if I am now a child of God, then the words that God the Father spoke to Jesus as he was lifted out of the water are the same words that he speaks over me. You are my boy. I love you so much. You bring me so much joy. Not because I go to church every week or read my Bible every day. Not because I give poor people money or tell them about Jesus, but because because I'm his boy. And because he loves and delights in me. And he speaks these same truths over you. You're my boy. You're my girl. I love you so much. Not because of anything you do or say. Just because I love you. Because of who you are. And as we find our fulfillment and value in the Father's love, we can live like Jesus did with confidence, security, and intention. And as we live our lives in the awareness of God's unconditional love for us, we can love others with that same love. Now, I still struggle with my identity and value sometimes. Satan still feeds me lies about my worth and praise on my insecurities that come back up. But as I come back to the words of truth spoken by my Father, like the ones here in Matthew, I'm reminded of how much He loves me. Not because of what I do or how cool I am, thank goodness, but because He is love. Jesus Jesus did this too. He was often found out by himself, praying to his Father, hearing again the truths about his identity and value, and how much he is loved by his Father. And as Jesus' identity is fully rooted in his relationship with the Father, so can our identity be fully rooted in the Father. Now, I want, I want you to think back on, on that question I asked about um, how does relational love and seeking relational love affect the way, the way you live, your actions and, and what you say. Um, and, and think about where, where you're trying to find that love. Where are you trying to find that fulfillment um, and that, that longing, that innate longing that we all have to be loved, to be known and loved, and to love and, and, be, and know others. Um, where are you trying to find that? We try and find it in a lot of things, right? Um, girlfriends, boyfriends, right? And that makes sense. Friends, even. Um, and, and I'm not saying that those aren't good. We are created to be relational. We're created to love each other um, and to love God. And, um, and that's, that, those are good things. Um, and God created us that way. Um, 
But what I am saying is we can't find our um, identity or our fulfillment or our value or our worth in those things because we're going we're gonna to be disappointed every time. That's my wife back there. That's Maggie Lane. Um, and I love her so much, and I know she loves me so much. But I'm not completed by her. I'm, I'm not fulfilled by, by her. I have to find that in Jesus. I have to find that in God. Sorry I cried so much tonight. <laughs> I'm tired. Um, so think about, where, where are you trying to find that relational love? Where are you trying to find that fulfillment? Um, and, and look at how, that, how that's affected. Um, if you are trying to find in, in other ways, um, how has that affected the way you're living, the way you're acting and, and speaking? Um, and I'm going to invite the, the worship team up. But I want to leave you with, with this last scripture. Um, Ephesians 5.1 Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I'm going to say that again. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Walk in the way of love. Walk knowing that you are loved. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as fragrant offering and sacrifice to God.